to the Futures podcast from the Futures team here at Birkbeck, University of London. In this podcast, we'll be chatting with industry leaders and top UK employers to hear their advice, uncover what they look for when hiring and share their experiences of their own personal career journeys. We hope you enjoy the show. On this episode of the Futures Podcast, we are joined by Imran Arain, Cybersecurity Consultant at KPMG and also a Birkbeck alumni. So, big welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Should we start off by finding out a little bit about your career journey? Yeah, sure. Um, so, where do I start? So, I start from uh, where I come from. Um, I was born and bred in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So, after doing my studies, I joined the army, became an army officer, spent about nine years in the army there. And as part of the army, I had an opportunity to go and work for the UN in Africa in peacekeeping okay. mission. Um, so after about six, seven years in the army, as a commission officer, I decided I needed to do something different. I wanted to see the world, so I uh-huh. left the army and decided to move to the UK. When I moved here, so like a lot of people who move to countries, you have to start all over again. You don't have networks, so I had a bit of struggle. Um, went through lots of different things. I ended up working in physical security, project management, um, business, business continuity side, information mm-hmm. security itself. Um, so about 11, in the last 11 years since I've been in the UK, so I've worked in different places in different capacities and uh, ended up in uh, cyber security mm-hmm. um, in KPMG um, about two years ago. Okay, what had you originally studied? Well, I studied the, um, as my first degree was history and political science. Okay. But then from Birkbeck, I did masters in international relations, which is international security and global governance degree. I did from here. So what I'm doing is not necessarily related to what yeah. I studied. Yeah. But it has helped definitely. What made you return to studying? What made you join Birkbeck? Well, because I did my first degree in Pakistan, and. Uh, it was a different experience, it was a different way of looking at things. So I needed to do something which helped me understand the culture and the, the way people work in the United Kingdom or, or, or the West itself. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went and, and the best way to start was to have some, some sort of uh, a certificate or a degree to my name that I have got something from here. So when I was looking around, I had lots of options, uh, however, because of my work requirement, Backpack was the best. Uh, which I had, and yeah. I quite enjoyed the time which I spent in Birkbeck, so I ended up doing the Masters here. How did you find, did you carry on working whilst you were studying? Yes, yeah, so I was working full-time, and I was doing a, a part-time degree. Um, my, uh, the Director of Studies uh, of our course, uh, Alex Collins, he was an extremely helpful and very, very um, uh, good man in terms of encouraging and putting things in perspective, because at one point I was thinking, I wanted to finish my degree in a year and yeah. work full time as well. Tough. Uh, yes, <laughs> and he said to me not to do that mm. um, for several reasons. One of the reasons was I was returning back to studying after ten years of professional career, almost. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm grateful to him for giving me that advice, and I did find it was very hard to do full time studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, part time studying, full time work. And what were you doing whilst you were studying? I was working for um, a Westfield uh, in different capacities, as I said. So at that point, I was doing a contracts manager job. Okay. So how did you then end up at KPMG? Right. So working over different areas, um, and I was looking to do something uh, with myself. So when I started my uh, master's in international relations, the vision I had was of going and doing a PhD in international relations and okay. becoming an academic. 
but and I had admission post my uh, master's degree in uh, PhD at Durham University. Mm-hmm. However, the funding wasn't yes. there, which meant that I had to either go and take a massive loan out or carry on doing what I was doing in mm-hmm. terms of making uh, my ends meet. So, um, and one, one thing I realized that the future was moving towards technology more and more. And the work I was doing, it was the, the budget cards, so the constraints were increasing and the opportunities were reducing. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started looking at doing something which was more technology based and technology related. And uh, I didn't know what I wanted in terms of specific, but I knew I had to do mm-hmm. something. So I was looking for a bridge gap thing which could help me get into technology without having to go back to basics, mm-hmm. as in go and do an IT degree from start. Yeah. Um, so that I didn't lose the experience and the transferable skills I had in the mm-hmm. shortest space of time, the shortest space of time I wanted to move to uh, technology-based stuff. That's where I came across cybersecurity, and uh, I researched a lot, looked at what I could do, what I couldn't do, what mm-hmm. could help and complement my own experience, mm-hmm. um, and that's where I got into some certifications, which we can talk about if you wanted to. So I did those certification, and I went out and spoke to a few people and. And just just basically approached them, and it resulted in me getting into KPMG. Okay, so it wasn't like you saw a job ad and you applied for it. It was more like that. I were, and, 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 and and interestingly, I I decided when I decided that I'm going to move into cybersecurity and what I needed to do after doing my gap analysis, um, and I started working on it. I had given myself a year mm-hmm. uh, from the moment I started doing some courses yeah. to get myself. Uh, and completing the course and then getting into a job. And however, after kind of halfway through doing about two or three courses, I hadn't finished doing all of them, mm-hmm. um, I applied for a job in KPMG. Okay. And um, and I was invited and it just then rest of it is history in terms of that. And uh, one thing I would say is what's really important, what played a very important role is um, that uh, what I had done in the past mm-hmm. And my experiences from the past had helped me yeah. get into this position because uh, companies like KPMG, they look for people who are not just um, kind of, uh, th- th- their view is quite broad in the mm-hmm. world. So they have done a lot of things and a lot of different experiences bring variety into the yes. work and that helps with innovation. Had you realised how many transferable skills you had? I knew fair few um, because uh, as I was doing this whole thing, Mind you, when I moved to UK, I wasn't under any illusion that I had to work hard. Um, so what I did was study a lot in terms of online advice on different things, okay. whether it's CV writing or anything else, mm-hmm. and that what I could do, because a lot of people don't understand what an army officer could do or has done, mm-hmm. and to kind of position themselves in the civilian life. So I studied a lot. That's where I learned to kind of identify my own skills yeah. and then make them transferable and relatable mm-hmm. and translate them for somebody who does not necessarily know what I've done and, and what's my experience. Yeah. So that has helped me a lot. And um, getting into KPMG was not, uh, I wouldn't say it was a, just a year's work. It was 16, 17 years of work, which I had done previously. Yeah. And the research that went into it all kind of helped me get into KPMG. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can imagine KPMG, like a company like KPMG is very sought after, everybody wants to yes, work for KPMG. very competitive. Very competitive. So you have to have uh, something different and something 
and that you can offer dif- better than others. Mm-hmm. And all these things come from your experiences and how you kind of analyze them and bring them together yeah. and present them. How did you sell your transferable skills? Because I imagine if somebody looks at your CV at first sight, your skills from the army, yes, they're great, but how does that necessarily translate into what it is that you want to do? And I think that's something that a lot of our students struggle with, is how do they actually demonstrate that and write that on their CV or cover letter? Here, the advice is very, very generic in that respect, I would say. It's about understanding the job you're applying for, mm-hmm. what they're asking for. Um, Sometimes, uh, most companies, most, uh, they would emphasize on what you can bring in terms of your mindset and your your approach, okay. which is demonstrated by your experience mm-hmm. rather than just purely experience of something specific. Um, so what you got to do is look at what they are asking for and a lot of things are very, very kind of transferable like people management. Everywhere you go, people are the same, their yes. behavior is the same. Mm-hmm. It may be a different industry, but you still have to talk to people certain way. And mm-hmm. So people management, your leadership skills, your management skills within themselves, um, then your uh, administration, uh, you, how you manage your stakeholders, risk management. We manage risk on a daily basis within our lives, mm-hmm. right? It's all about having that awareness that how you're going to make it relatable to mm-hmm. your new profession. profession. And once you find that, then it, it, it becomes easier. One thing I must say is that um, I'm personally very f- much a big fan of quantifying your work. Mm-hmm. So how I quantify when I that write down something is the difference I made in terms of percentage, whether it's increase in revenue, yeah. in dec- increase in efficiency, reduction in losses. So quantify that. Mm. That's that's very important because it shows that you are very much aware of how you have made that difference in your yeah. previous work, and how you could bring value to your new mm-hmm. profession or new new job. Yeah, I guess it's all well and good saying that you have done something, exactly. but what was the actual outcome of that? What did you actually contribute? Yes, it's very important, and it's it's all about putting certain things which kind of uh, um, provoking trust of somebody. Mm-hmm. See, this job is just to get an interview. See, this job is not to get you a job. Yeah. So people need to understand that. And then you just have those things in there which allow somebody to say, oh, yeah, I, this person looks interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to speak to them. And that's, then you have a better opportunity to sell yeah. yourself. I guess from a comparison point of view as well, if you've got two CVs in front of you that are very similar, but one's actually got some stats to back up what they're saying... Like you say, you're going to trust that more. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it, it makes the difference because like, job market is competitive. We are competing against a lot of intelligent people. They bring a lot of stuff. Now, it's not a case of being just intelligent. It's a case of also making things um, easier for others to read and understand. Yeah. So that's very important job. One of the jobs as a consultant we do is understand our our customers' needs. Mm-hmm. And then what they're trying to achieve, and then deliver that, yeah. And make it more. Uh, it's like medium time security is not always technical terms. You don't talk in technical terms because not everybody understands mm-hmm. technical terms. It's not right. So that's why it's important what we do. You're able to explain in yeah. simple ways. And um, I don't know. I read this something somewhere that um, if you can't explain it to a six months, a six year old, mm-hmm. then you don't understand it yourself. Yeah. So that's how simple you have to make certain things. Mm-hmm. Especially because the, the hiring manager looking at your CV might not know anything about 
actually what you do in that role. Exactly. So it's making it understandable to them. Yes, yes. Because, well, very, very important point because you have to tell them what mm. you do. You can't just assume they know everything. Yeah. So, and it sometimes is actually quite a tricky thing because obviously it's what you do on a day-to-day basis. You know what you do. You think that anybody will understand it however you tell, tell them. But if you haven't got a clue... Yeah, funnily enough, I'll tell you something. I mean, I've, I've, t- I've given advice to some people in the past and I, I'm very much of helping others and help them shorten their journey mm. in terms of progress. So one of the things I tell them is to write down their own job, what they do on a daily basis. And uh, sometimes you realise that you do a lot more than yes. you think you do. Yes. And only when you <laughs> write it down, you realise that what you are doing. I always say to, to keep your CV updated at maybe kind of every three month, every six month intervals. Because yeah. if you're in a job for two years, looking back and trying to write your CV two years later is impossible because you've done so much more than you probably remember doing. That's very true. And um, I mean, just relating it that to your point to my profession, um, in consultancy, we do a lot of different projects mm. with a lot of different companies with a lot of different challenges. Which means that if you don't have to keep track of what you're doing mm. and what you're delivering, it, it becomes sometimes very difficult mm. to f- even remember your own amazing work you have done at Yeah, point. I can imagine. Especially if you are somewhere for a long time, it all just blurs and you'll forget yeah. specific projects. So you said in the year kind of leading up to joining KPMG, you did um, some certificates. How did you know what to do? How did you kind of identify those skill gaps? Well, uh, this is one of the things which I say is, is when, when you're changing careers, and I've done three careers, roughly, so Army, Army 2, Civilian Life and Physical Security and uh, uh, Project Management, and then to Cyber Security, mm-hmm. is sitting down and analysing what you have, where you want to be, mm-hmm. and what it requires you to have to be there where you want to be. And what is the gap? And when I was doing that, that's when, as I said, I was looking to do something technical. I was looking to do um, something which helped complement my experience. So that's when I, the research led me to certification on information security. And these certifications are not necessarily completely very, very... They're, very, they're professional certifications. They are very esteemed certifications. Mm-hmm. You have to talk with time and effort in to read. There's lots of terminologies and things that are new in that. Um, so I did that time it's 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 almost doing a, a short diploma yeah um these certifications because you have to read and then you have to demonstrate your skills in that mm-hmm. area as i said you have to relate everything back to it so that it again it was my research and also um i was lucky enough to come because when you're looking and you're talking to people you find somebody knows someone mm-hmm. who can tell you a little more than yeah you know or more helpful and I ended up speaking to somebody from KPMG. Um, they helped me in narrowing down the certifications that I needed mm-hmm. to do. Okay. Um, so that because there are hundreds of them, and you look mm-hmm. at them, some are very technical, some are a bit more towards management focused, and they're less technical. So th- that person helped me a lot. How did How did you know, Bill? Was it somebody that you reached out to? As I said, it's when you talk to people. That is what I'm trying to do. Um, it was uh, just a command that I was discussing with somebody, I can't remember who it was, and, uh, and I said, oh, I'm looking at doing something technology 
database and cybersecurity seems good, but I don't know where to start from because there's so many things. And then I said, oh yeah, I know someone who works in cybersecurity mm-hmm. and uh, you can talk to them. And then they sent kind of an introduction and I had an exchange of an mm. email or two and that's about it. It wasn't that that person kind of held my finger and took me around. It was just me yeah. asking a question that there are 10 different certifications, mm-hmm. which one should I start from? Yeah, it's good to have those conversations because obviously being in industry, they're the guys that know the most. Exactly, but the more important thing is that uh, I, it is one of the points which I was going to emphasize is networking, which in my early years of my career, I underestimated the value of networking. Mm-hmm. And networking seems very kind of a, 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 a stressing subject. A lot of us don't think, we think, oh, networking, oh, I don't know what we need to do, we need to go and impress people and all yeah. that. Networking is no different to making kind of friends and relationships. And you go out, you talk to people, you come across hundreds and hundreds of people, and um, you just go and talk to them, be genuinely interested, learn about them. Mm-hmm. And uh, then slowly you realize that you form bond with some people, follow up. And you end up learning a thing or two new because you're just talking to people. Mm. And one thing I realized and what I understood and learned was that um, speaking to different people help you uh, kind of define your own objective, mm-hmm. clarify things, because you have to explain to them what you're yes. trying to achieve. And it helps you understand what you're trying to achieve as mm. well. A lot of people find networking very daunting. It is. Um, one of the things I've, I've learned through um, my career and experience is that not everything comes to us naturally. Mm-hmm. Some are good at something and others are at other things. So if you don't know something or if you are not, if you think you're not good at something, go and learn from somebody who's good at it. Yeah. Invest in yourself. As much as we invest in universities, mm-hmm. go and get a degree. We need to go and invest in ourselves skills like that, whether it's public mm-hmm. speaking, whether it's networking and all of these things. You can go and pay somebody who can tell you small little tricks and they make a difference mm-hmm. that you would never imagine you could kind of make to mm-hmm. your own life. So that is very important to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. I think with networking as well, everybody forgets that everybody's in the same boat. If you go to a networking event, there's probably a lot of people in the room that feel nervous just yeah, like you are. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's, a, it's a strange situation, I guess, to put yourself in to just go up and talk to somebody that you've never met before and find out what they do. Exactly. It's, 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 it's all about having that little confidence to break that bar- mm. barrier in your own head and going and speaking to that person, yeah. starting a conversation. One thing I must say is that after being to lots of networking events and places, you will not always have a successful networking event. Mm-hmm. You are not going to form a bond with every person you're going to talk to. So don't be kind of uh, too harsh on yourself about it. Take it as it comes, just go speak to the person. If it happens naturally, organically, you're talking to somebody and your bond is better, mm-hmm. follow up and try and keep in touch with yeah. them. It doesn't matter how long it takes for you to have this second meeting with them. But follow it up. Sometimes, mm-hmm. I mean, I found that people I really wanted to speak to as a follow-up, it took me sometimes six, seven, eight months to arrange a second mm-hmm. meeting. Because you are busy, they are busy. Yeah. But it's all about keeping that connection going. And then it does happen. And 
so uh, it's, it's all about not being harsh on yourself in that little mm-hmm. time. If it happens, it happens. It doesn't just go and talk to somebody else. Yeah, there's lots of people in a room. Yeah, exactly. So one thing, I know we've strayed a bit off topic, um, one thing that I really wanted to touch upon was what you actually do in your role. Because we always hear job titles, but job titles can be very, very broad. So what does your day actually look like? What is your role in cybersecurity? Okay, well, cybersecurity, um, in our layman terms of how I explain to others, cybersecurity is like being a doctor. So you have some basic practice, general physicians, and then you specialise in some areas. Mm-hmm. And cybersecurity is no different to that. You have cybersecurity as a subject, which you have eight, nine different, ten different fields within them, and then you can go and specialize in one mm-hmm. of them. So it's up to you what you want to do. However, so as being a consultant, we could work on anything and everything. It's purely what the client brings in. Yeah. And as a consultant, I, I personally, this is how I define being a consultant, is you solve the problem using your skills and knowledge, and by, by bringing... Uh, by going and speaking to people who know more than you within the firm mm-hmm. on certain subjects. So I could be good at one thing and somebody else has got specialism in something else. So we go and leverage that specialism yeah. and bring a best solution out of it. So on day-to-day basis, I mean, my day could start, depending on the project, you could be speaking to teams in India. So you would be starting at 6 o'clock in the morning, first thing you're on the phone to teams mm-hmm. in India and talking to some something about them, coordinating something. The next day, then you have been speaking with 10 different people at different time zones. You could, it, um, no two days are the same, basically. So you will have a different challenge every day mm-hmm. and different projects. So I could be speaking to teams in India, I could be speaking to my colleagues here, then I could be even speaking to teams in, uh, in the US. They are um, you know, behind in time, so you mm-hmm. could be speaking to them at 8 o'clock in the evening UK time, somebody is sitting there. So um, what we do is we man- we help our uh, clients manage risks to their business that mm-hmm. that uh, um, that that emerge from the use of technology. So we help them manage those risks. So cybersecurity is more about managing business risks mm-hmm. that come from technology. Okay. Rather than securing something. The common concept is security means you just lock everything up yes. and sit down in a room. No, that's not how it works because then the businesses don't work. Mm-hmm. We have to find the best medium where you can have the best profitable business, but at the same time, the best possible security for that particular product at that particular mm-hmm. time. So that's where we help businesses manage their cyber risk okay. and grow as a business. Interesting. That was a test to see if you could explain what you're doing <laughs> to a six-year-old. Um, and one thing you just touched upon was you go to other people within the firm if that's what they specialise in for support. And I guess that's one of the benefits of working in a big corporate, which was something else I wanted to touch upon. The pros and cons, I guess, of working in a company like KPMG that is so big. Yeah, I mean... as. I have four words for working in KPMG or firms like KPMG that you work with inspiring people, mm-hmm. no matter who they are, from a young graduate to the more senior partner. Mm-hmm. That brings so much and different kind of experiences and knowledge and how they challenge mm-hmm. your own perceptions and ideas. It's just amazing, which makes our solutions more durable and yeah. more, more uh, it's better than others and very, very. Um, appropriate for the for the client needs then uh, the second thing is exciting mm-hmm. 
working for big firms are exciting because you get to work on many, many different projects, different places, you get to travel around and all that. Then the other thing is challenging because it brings a challenge. You are working for one of the best companies, so the, the only thing that's expected you of you is, is the best work. So there's nothing else, but you have to deliver the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the last thing is rewarding. Um, working for big firms and good companies is, is a very, very rewarding uh, work to do because of uh, your personal and professional life. Mm-hmm. They reward well. You learn a lot. You benefit financially, you benefit professionally. And again, as I said, as I said before, because you're working with such inspiring and intelligent and uh, expert people um, in the firm, you end up broadening your own horizon to a completely different level. Mm-hmm. And it helps you develop your career pretty quickly. Yeah, I can and, imagine. Uh, and, and to the heights that you never imagined you could. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the things that I like about working for, for a big corporation. How does it differ from your time in the army? Two very different yeah, I mean, the army is more structured, there's a focus on certain delivery, and then the budgets are where you're not necessarily dealing with budgets as such. And whatever you have, you have to work within them. It has its own challenges, it gives you certain reward, but that reward is not uh, in terms of uh, that you, you deliver value for the country itself. Mm-hmm. Right, you protect, but you know yeah. nobody comes and says necessarily uh, thank you to you. But you do your job, and a lot of work goes behind closed doors mm-hmm. or away from public eye. Um, so it's it has its own way of life. It's it has its own way of living things. But then when you move to the civilian world, it's more about bringing business efficiency, mm-hmm. making business work better. The challenges are different. As I said, the skills could be transferable, but you have to relate to different mindsets. Mm-hmm. The mindset is not limited. In, in, in working for big corporations or outside military, you have a lot more initiative in terms of creating something new. Yeah. Well, you have initiative to do things in the army, but you can't necessarily create something new mm-hmm. because of the limitation of the institution. Yeah. And I guess one other thing that I wanted to touch upon about you working for obviously such a big corporate, I know obviously we've discussed KPMG um, from the aspect of cyber security, but obviously KPMG are huge and there's lots of different things that you can get involved in with a company like KPMG, so you don't have to necessarily come from a really techie background. That's true, very true. The thing is, a very common misconception out there is that we are, KPMG is only an auditing firm. Um, we have auditing business, yes, mm-hmm. that's what uh, accounting and auditing was the primary thing that KPMG started with. However, KPMG within itself has advisory uh, arm of it, which is consulting. And within consulting, we do all sorts of stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's, it's all related to business processes, customer processes, digital transformation, cloud transformations, mm-hmm. solving people's problems, moving people's, um, uh, whether it's to do with merchants and acquisition, banking, mm-hmm. corporations, telco. So we do pretty much everything uh, in terms of advisory to mm-hmm. solve problems. Um, so so th- there's a lot of things that you could do when you join KPMG. And one another thing with the KPMG is that once you're in it, 
you have lots of uh, opportunity to go and work in other departments. Mm -hmm. So, say for example, I'm working with cybersecurity at the moment. Tomorrow, I'm going to go and work with IT risk. I'm uh, sorry, IT or internal audits, or I don't know, even completely tax, say for example. Yeah. Um, or digital transformation team. I could speak to my my seniors in the firm, and mm -hmm. mostly things happen. And you go and you spend six months doing that. Mm -hmm. And you come back with something new and new ways of working and new knowledge, which helps mm. your own department itself as well, because it, it, it is all business. Today's building businesses more connected than ever mm -hmm. before. Definitely. So you've got to understand the business to solve the business problem. If you don't understand the business, then you can't help them manage mm -hmm. their cyber risk. So what would your advice be to somebody who wanted to, to break into the industry? Um, I mean, it's purely talking from my personal experience, the first thing you have to do is be honest to yourself mm -hmm. and do that gap analysis. Um, you have to look at your own bias because my personal experience is that we are our own worst enemies. Yes. Our own biases do not let us go beyond certain lines mm -hmm. because we think, oh, we can't do that, but that's going to happen. Or... <clears throat> Uh, say for example we write this uh, uh, networking thing we don't write to people mm -hmm. thinking oh uh, they're not going to reply yeah so we don't even try so you have to work on your own but you have to change your mindset so first of all change your mindset which means that you have to embrace change you have to love change once you start loving change you kind of work with the change and work it to your advantage so that's first thing if you want to change a career or generally just start a new career mm -hmm. this is what you need to do is to change your mindset and have a positive mindset and embrace change because once you embrace it then you're focused on not necessarily reacting to change and sulking about it oh it didn't go my way you capitalize on what's there to make something new mm -hmm. and make it work in your own advantage Sometimes it works, others <laughs> not. So you've got to be realistic about it. You just need to take it on the chin and carry yeah. on. If you don't try, you'll never know. You never know. So embrace change, do the gap analysis, and then again, going back to the thing, go and talk to people. Mm -hmm. uh, so say for example, I mean, uh, me and my colleagues, are, we, we, come in, we go in different universities, we speak to students, go and speak to us. Come and speak to us. Go and speak to people who are coming to speak to you because they are there to help you. Yeah. Because they are spending their personal time to come and speak to you, they're actually interested in helping you. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to go and talk to them, they will help you refine your ideas. Um, and nobody who comes and talks to you can kind of get your job straight into industry. If that's what your expectation of speaking to somebody, then I think that's completely wrong way of looking at mm -hmm. networking and relationship. It's about what you can learn from them and as a process as you grow they may be able to get you into the firm mm -hmm. because in the end they can advise you and you have to put the legwork and once you are at that level then you will automatically be sought after and people will mm -hmm. want to work with you so go and speak to people and then work hard mm -hmm. I mean there's no replacement or yeah, work it goes hard without it, it goes without <laughs> saying to be fair and uh, it's not easy I must say you have to as I said, it's not only your own biases that you have to challenge, then you'll come across lots of different mm -hmm. kind of hurdles, whether it's your work life, whether it's your personal life, funding, people you come across. There are people sometimes you don't 
quite nice people mm-hmm. uh, who are not very helpful they can read more uh, it's generally people as human beings we criticize others more than yes. help others yeah so it, it's about then take, take criticism from others but make a distinction what is criticism and what is a fair criticism mm-hmm. which helps you grow and what is just a dig at you basically so just forget about those people what challenges do you think you faced when you were going through your career change? Um, I said, when I was saying culture, language, because I wasn't born in, in, in the UK, so mm-hmm. English is not the first language. Um, again, when you move to a new country, the work ethic, the culture, how people interact is completely different. Yeah. You've got to learn about that. You've got to go and understand how people interact, what they think, how they behave, what it means, what. Mm. Because one thing which is acceptable in a certain country may not be understood. Yeah. It has a completely different meaning in another country. Even things as simple as how we write CVs. Exactly. Super everywhere. Yes. Um, how you present yourself. So, say for example, uh, there's, you don't talk about your achievements much in the East. It's just part of being that culture that you have to be humble. Mm-hmm. And then in the West, you have to quantify your, your uh, achievements. Mm-hmm. And then people struggle with it. They think that, oh, I don't know, I'm just bragging about my work. Yeah. Well, if it is bragging, then to, to show people what you've done, then you have to do that. So it's understanding mm. and accepting those results. So culture was one thing. How did, you, how did you overcome that? How did you learn? Was it just literally getting yourself out there? and? Exactly. It's, it's just getting yourself out there. There is nothing that you can switch within your head mm-hmm. and change overnight because... Um, people who are born in a certain place, they spend years getting to where they get to. And then you come in with a completely different uh, background and knowledge. So you have to spend at least those kind of years to learn that. Mm-hmm. So I say to people that if you go and join a firm and you see a graduate who was born in, say, United Kingdom, and they, they learn what they learned until the graduation, say, for example, at the age of 22. So it's been 22 years learning about a culture and a place and people so mm-hmm. they know something which you don't and you have a different experience so the one, one thing must have, I must add is that bringing different cultures together is it is the best thing you can do because you can bring really best thing out of each mm-hmm. other however at the same time it's important to understand um, culture behavior ethics of a new place whether it's it's where you live or whether it's where you work mm-hmm. so every place has its own thing so my challenge is culture bias mm-hmm. I came across lots of people who had certain bias they look at you and they think ah you can't do it because mm-hmm. you come from oh, you come from X or you come Y so yeah. I'm not going to go in that negativity you just have to ignore it ignore negativity uh, then your own bias as I said the mm-hmm. biggest thing I came across was my own bias took me some time to realize that I was stopping my own self in some <laughs> respects. And uh, so once you, have, once you have realized those things and you overcome, things become a bit more easier in terms of um, progress. Mm-hmm. And I've got one last question for you, unless you've got anything else that you want to add. Um, um, well, I mean, and this, this just general advice that I keep goes going to give to everybody. Yeah. And uh, this is, and we have talked about it, it's more of a summary of things that change your own mindset. Um, surrounding yourself with positive people is the must thing that you have to do. Mm-hmm. It is the most important thing you could ever do to yourself is be in positive company. 
Um, I was speaking to somebody and they said that if there are five, your, five of your friends, they go to the gym, the sixth person who goes to the gym will be you, and so on in everything. So having that kind of circle, social and professional, is very important. Mm -hmm. um, then change, adopt change, love change, work on your own self, change your own bias, change your own yeah. thoughts, and be aware of your unconscious bias. Because sometimes we think certain way is the right way, and we are not right to listen to others. When you listen to others, sometimes you realize that you were wrong all, mm -hmm. all, all your life sometimes. So it's important to do that. Um, develop your social and professional network. Mm -hmm. Talk yeah. to people. Treat relationships like plants. Okay. You have to nurture them. You have to, they are organic. Mm -hmm. If you treat, you treat your um, relationships, and whether they are professional or personal, um, organic as an organic thing, you would have, uh, you would do better thing, you would do the right thing, which is nurturing them, invest time. It takes a lot of time for certain plants to bear fruit. Yeah. So you have to nurture and spend that time and put that effort in mm -hmm. before you can start getting the fruit out of that particular relationship. And as that time grows, they will grow stronger and stronger. Good way of looking at it. Yeah, well, I try to make things easier for myself mm -hmm. by remembering and something that a six-year-old would understand oh, probably, <laughs> yes. so and then invest in yourself mm -hmm. go and do professional certifications go and join professional bodies go and join professional networking events because what you will learn from people's experiences is not what a book will tell you mm -hmm. or teach you and if we are clever enough you can we can shorten our journey we still have to struggle and do the legwork mm -hmm. But a journey somebody completed in 30 years, you could potentially bring it to half the time. Mm -hmm. So investing in yourself is important. Go and learn something which you don't know, whether it's management, whether it's leadership, whether it's mm -hmm. networking. It is a good investment in yourself. And, and um, again, uh, the, I've already spoken about surrounding yourself with talented people mm -hmm. and having that positive mindset. So lots of really interesting tips and I guess it's very easy sometimes to give advice to other people but we're not always so good at taking it ourselves. Yeah. So if you were to give yourself, if you could start your career again, you could go back to your army days and have your whole career out in front of you, what would be your one bit of advice to yourself? Um, be bold, take your chances. Okay. What happens is, I mean this is my personal um, kind of experience is that along the way as we start our journey in, in our youth it, as a teenager we are a lot more kind of positive we are mm -hmm. less risk averse yes. we take risks but for different reasons social professional personal we experience certain things we start changing and mm -hmm. we become a bit more afraid and we don't take chances or we are waiting for things to happen or we mm -hmm. affiliate we kind of link two things together or if this happens that's when I will yeah. do this now if the first thing did not happen for 10 years then you don't do the second thing either so that's one advice that I would give to myself is to be bold and be um, take by chances not be afraid of jumping around it does not make any difference mm -hmm how you get to your destination. The important thing is to keep your destination and objective in view and be flexible in your approach to change your course as you progress mm -hmm. in your journey because the new information will come, new challenges will come. You just have to respond to them. 
yes. not react to them. Often we react and we just give in and say, oh, I can't do it, or it's too hard. Mm-hmm. That's where you just have to carry on moving and take your chances thing, which I'll tell myself. And I try and do that more and more. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's something that a lot of people will relate to if they're too scared to try something new or they're too scared to make the move. So a very good bit of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, as with everything that you've shared as well today, I think it's been a, a really great episode. So big thank you for coming on the show. And we hope that you've enjoyed telling us about your story. Well, thank you very much. If anybody wants to know any more about anything that we've discussed today, then as um, as per usual, you can obviously drop us an email to talent at bbk.ac.uk. But big thank you for coming on the show, Imran. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening to the Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time.